Welcome to Muffliato, a Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake. And today we are still trying to find those passwords we misplaced as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban and come now to the 13th chapter, Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Now, Josh, uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, and uh, I'm sure I'm sure that our listeners heard it last week. Uh, as, we, as we mentioned, Neville lost those passwords. Uh, and in this this week, uh, it's uh, something something pretty bad happens because of that. And uh, McGonagall isn't so happy with Neville. Uh, do you think he received an adequate punishment for that mistake, that life-threatening mistake, at least in the eyes of uh, you know everybody there uh, from Gryffindor and in uh, Hogwarts, thinking Black ultimately is a, a murderer? Uh, but do you think that punishment was adequate, or should it have been more severe? Oh, that's a great question, Blake. And I, I go back and forth because the severity of the mistake is huge, yeah. huge. Like it, but at the same time, this would be such a, a non-issue in any other year. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. like it's, it's only a significant thing because black, black uses the passwords, you know, like Neville's forgetfulness would be kind of something people would roll their eyes at normally. And so I go back and forth and think like, how much can you punish him for forgetting at the wrong time or being a, a you know, rewriting these things down in the wrong year um, versus actually doing something that was always wrong, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. And uh, the fact that nobody was hurt, uh, it yeah. definitely goes a long way to making Neville feel not like the worst person in the entire <laughs> world. Because uh, yeah, he'd, he'd be pretty, he'd be pretty gutted. But let's get into that chapter summary. The Scabbers Crookshanks issue appears to be the last straw for Ron and Hermione's friendship. Harry struggles to remain friends with both, and his attempts at a middle ground offend Hermione. Prior to practice, Harry brings Ron and allows him a chance on the firebolt to cheer him up. At the pitch, Wood informs the team that the Ravenclaw seeker, Cho Chang, has recovered and will be able to play. The first training session with the Firebolt is brilliant. Their performance leaves Wood speechless, truly a miraculous feat. Once Ron has his turn on the Firebolt after the training, they return to the castle. On the way, Harry sees glowing eyes. Thinking it might be a grim, he lights his wand only to reveal Crookshanks. The Quidditch match against Ravenclaw begins with great anticipation as the debut of the Firebolt. Lee Jordan can hardly believe his privilege of announcing a match with such a broom. He uses this opportunity to inform the watching crowd about all the features of this broom. Harry and Cho battle several times over the snitch. Finally, Harry closes in on the small golden ball, but he spots three Dementors. He performs the Patronus charm, grabs the snitch, and secures the victory for Gryffindor. After the match, the Dementors are revealed to be Malfoy, Crab, and Goyle, but this doesn't lessen Harry's pride in the victory. The after-party features food and drinks from Hogsmeade, courtesy of Fred and George, with the assistance of Mooney, Padfoot, Wormtail, and Prongs. Ron and Hermione's arguing continues until Hermione runs to bed early. The party is finally broken up by McGonagall at 1 o'clock a.m. That night, Ron's screams wake the Gryffindor dorm. He claims that Sirius Black was standing over him with a knife. Sir Cadogan confirms Black's entrance into the dormitory, as well as the fact that he had the list of the week's passwords. McGonagall demands to know who is foolish enough to write such a list. Ashamed, <laughs> Neville raises his hand. Oh, Neville. I mean, at least he's maybe this is the Gryffindor quality coming out of, out of him, but at least he's brave enough to raise his hand, eh? Like just to fess up yes. to the crime. Oh. So maybe that's that braveness coming through. So good on Neville. 
really appreciate that about him that he's willing to just be like that was my mistake and own up to it so i mean that goes to show something for for neville uh, uh, uh you know a little bit a little bit of development for him but yeah man i, f- I feel i feel for him because you know for someone so forgetful when you know someone like sir Cadogan comes in with passwords changing left right and center what else are you going to do you've you know you, you're going to have to write them down so um, the fact that he misplaces them is a little bit unfortunate. So sorry, Neville, uh, that, uh, yeah, that sucks for them. But w- when we look at this chapter, which is a pretty short chapter, there's, um, you know, there are a few things that happen, obviously, but, but not a whole lot until obviously that very, that very end. Yes. It's, it's really a Quidditch chapter, right? And, mm. uh, and then with a little bit of insane, like, whoa, serious black attacks kind of at the mm. very end. But what, what would our key theme be in something like this, Josh? Yeah, well, and I think you just summarized it great, Blake. I don't have much to say other than attach a, a theme to what you've mentioned. Uh, I've titled the theme Victory and Perspective mm. in the sense that this is a Quidditch chapter with the highest of highs. And then at the very end, there's a, a reminder given to us by the author that Quidditch is such an insignificant thing in comparison <laughs> to Sirius Black coming into the dormitory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, this whole chapter is about Quidditch until like, you know, the last couple pages of the chapter. And yes. that's the thing yeah. that overshadows everything else. Right. But um, you're kind of in, in this sort of unsuspecting mood as with a chapter title called Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw. Like it's all going to be about this game, but uh, you know, this would get me to read that next chapter right after I finish it. Right. Like you, you end on this near death experience uh, and you kind of just want to find out how he got in, what happened and, and all of, all of that. So victory and perspective, I think is a a great way to, uh, to summarize this up. And now Josh, we, we don't often get new characters that often these mm. days uh, and yeah we, we don't often you know maybe it's more so at the start of the book like you know Gilderoy Lockhart you know in the second book he gets introduced right I was gonna say uh, other than a defense against the dark arts teachers no we don't get new characters <laughs> yeah, that's, that's so true eh? it's like oh, there's, a, there's a good way of bringing in some fresh meat some new blood you yeah. know so um, yeah. but but this is great because we actually see the introduction of Cho Chang uh, who's the Ravenclaw mm. seeker uh, yes. and uh, a little bit you know like oh a little bit of harry's love interest and uh, and this yeah. comes out you know especially more uh next uh next book uh, with the triwizard tournament but like you know there you go so harry's starting to be like oh yeah she was very you know she's very attractive so uh yeah, so you get Chan, that specific note right yes Pretty. yeah and yeah. so cho chang comes in so she's the new character obviously we hear about roger davies who's the the ravenclaw mm. quidditch captain but he's not as important uh, even though i think he does come back doesn't uh cho chang say um davies asked her out at some point and she said no like drops it in like madam puttyfoots or something is there's this weird conversation that goes on between uh, you know cho and uh, harry uh when harry's not really treating cho right and uh i think maybe roger davies is like um uh, i believe maybe is it called snogging but like snogging uh someone else at the next table and uh, she kind of goes um yeah he actually asked me out once and it's like harry's going like why on earth did she tell me that <laughs> you know and harry's just <laughs> clueless and so no we we see cho chang roger davis does seem to be quite the ladies man i must say <laughs> Yeah. He's the one who takes floor, does he not? I mean, well, I I think so. Roger Davies, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's a Quidditch captain, right? Ravenclaw, yeah. very smart, yeah. um, and uh, got some good wits about him. So, 
the week probably uses um uses his position to his advantage in the love uh, uh, realm a lot more than wood does wood seems singularly focused like yes. it is all about quidditch all the time yeah like a like a girl comes yeah. up to him and be like uh oh, wood i really liked how you shut up i've got to do these uh charts you know i've got to do how i'm how the team you know harry was slacking yes, this person right. i need to talk yeah. to the beaters and it's just like yeah. nobody's gonna need to go pester mcgonagall <laughs> So yes, so, so Cho Chang, we see her introduction, and um, we don't get a whole lot of her um, this book, uh, but uh, we still we still see her in being pretty clever on her broom, blocking Harry, stopping him from really yeah. accelerating and getting up to to things. But uh, speaking of that, especially on a comet two sixty, no less. Yes, she's so she's pretty smart about it, which is which is really yeah. good. Goes to show that you know, like she she's a, she's a Ravenclaw for a reason. She's got a good strategy, a good yeah. plan. Um, but speaking of that acceleration that the broom has, Lee Jordan, we learn a lot about him. Oh, clearly, man. clearly he's being um, he's got a side <laughs> hustle. You know, we talk about that, Josh, right. being like that's a that's a good financial thing. You have a side hustle. You know, it's, it's, I think Lee's you know doing some backroom dealing with uh, Firebolt, really trying to push it to some of the other kids who might have a bit of money in their pockets. Oh, without a doubt. McGonagall <laughs> is so funny. I love I love that. Are you exchange. being paid, Jordan? Uh... <laughs> it's such a it's such a good exchange. Such a good exchange. Yeah. And um lastly, who's who's our last kind of developmental kind of character that we see in this chapter? Yeah, well, we see Harry finally finally develop uh, his his Patronus abilities. It's only yeah. in this kind of pressure filled situation, which which really does say something about his character. He is he is great under pressure, um, where where something erupts from from his wand, and and we were told it's it's silver white, enormous. Yeah, um, but but Harry doesn't see what form his Patronus takes, and we'll talk more about that later. Yes, um, just what what that was, but. Um, this is huge development because up until this point, it's been very limited, the success he's had. And mm. even in that limitation, it, a lot of time has passed, potentially as much as, you know, six, seven weeks with with very few results since that first lesson. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Harry would have kept up his practice. And obviously we have the fact that these aren't actually dementors that he's going up against. Um, so it, it makes it easier for him to conjure up some kind of, you know, uh, something with a better form. Uh, but yeah. still, regardless, in you know, as second nature to him, he just whips out that wand and does it, and uh, and that's so great. I love how um, you know McGonagall goes off at them at trying to sabotage Harry play. There's some points lost. There's detentions for all of them. Yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty good. So so I think that's kind of really where like that world building comes into you know where there's that development of the Patronus as well, slightly more of a f- sort of corporeal form, like a physical form, although maybe not so much like a clear distinct form otherwise i feel like everybody would have told harry what his patronus looked like mm. or or is but yeah we see that and we see obviously quidditch being played um and being developed which is which is pretty cool so it's a great chapter for those of us who uh, who who love who love world building and the the game of quidditch on that note of of the Patronus. I just wanted to point out something to do with with Professor Lupin's reaction, and we we don't have a lot of specific literary devices or or even foreshadowing in this chapter, but but connected to foreshadowing, this kind of world building and foreshadowing connection, is is Lupin's reaction to Harry's Patronus, and and he says to Harry that was quite some Patronus, mm. and and Harry looked around to see Professor Lupin, and this is how it's described: Lupin looked shaken and pleased. 
And, and I can't help but wonder if, if maybe it wasn't a perfect form of a stag, but, but could Lupin identify oh. a stag and therefore was thinking, oh my goodness, it's James's Patronus again. Wow. That's, that's a really good point, Josh. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, and I feel like Quidditch is such a fast paced game that maybe mm. the actual producing of the Patronus would have gone yes. amiss yeah. Um, yeah, with that, with, with Harry, but like, <clears throat> you know, I think, uh, I think, Lupin at least would have kept pretty keen eyes on Harry, making sure that Dementors didn't show up. And so he would have maybe seen a slight form where it's actually like, whoa, are those antlers? Are those like, is that how this is coming out? Looking like a stag, like his father's Patronus. So I think it's a great point, actually. That's that's quite cool. And, and we've, uh, we've yeah. along with that, we, we've got to consider as well the fact that no one knew that James was an Animagus, right? Only, yes. only Lupin knew. Yep. And the other thing is how often do you think they're practicing Patrona, like Patroni at school. Probably yeah. not often at all. If it's, you know, OWL advanced stuff, yeah. um, you know, they're not practicing it for a long time at school. Potentially they're not doing it at all while at school or only in a very controlled setting. Mm. Um, it's not like they're actually confronted with Dementors. So, so this could be something that very few people would even pay attention to, including people like Dumbledore or McGonagall. That could be nothing to them. Yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, not much in the way of literary device, but foreshadowing wise, which kind of can fit under that literary device uh, uh, title, we've got Cho Chang. Now she is a love interest that comes in later on. <laughs> yes, she is. Um, but Sirius Black after Ron, like, you know, mm. we think we think he just got it wrong, right? Like he was after Harry, yes. but got the wrong beard. Uh, but clearly we think when we look back after knowing he's actually after Scabbers. So it kind of like that's yes. why he went after Ron's beard, not, not Harry. So pretty, um, pretty key point there. Yeah, definitely. And, and I think that will only become more clear. You know, that's, that's why it's foreshadowing. You know, we, we, we can't say much about it now because it, again, seems like a mistake, but that really points us to the fact that he's not after Harry, maybe. No, exactly. But he breaks into that Gryffindor tower. And I think that's the the big point of this um, chapter. Obviously, the significance of, of a game and that Harry actually gets to use his fireball like the, you know, and how amazingly quick that thing is, is pretty impressive. But I think the big significant thing that just takes this chapter and actually gives you the real kind of plot of the whole book would be Sirius breaking into Gryffindor tower, having that experience of like supposedly getting the wrong bed uh, and, uh, and, you know, waking up Ron and, and Ron's scream. And I tell you, man, that, that audio book, uh, that, that part of the audio book is pretty loud uh, where, you know, when, <laughs> when I think Harry's dreaming and then it turns into Ron going, no, you know, like, and it's just like, yeah, you'd be, yeah. you'd be pretty scared if Sirius Black is standing over you with a knife. Uh, that would be pretty creepy. Well, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you're an Apple user, don't forget to leave a rating and review. Your support helps keep the magic alive. You can send us questions on our Instagram or email muffleautopodcast at gmail.com or use the form on our website at muffleautopodcast.com. To continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 14th chapter of Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, Snape's Grudge.